What, what makes the difference so often is that, uh, where do I leave my glasses there? I'd be blind without them. Uh, what makes the difference is the word of God, word of life. What makes the difference is when you respond to what God says, and God's spoken it inside, it happens. And nothing can stop it happening. Uh, that's the secret of miracles all the time. The secret of everything is God speaking it. And the secret is to keep coming until he does. Uh, it's a very simple message. And one of the complications that's happened is so many people are majoring on the false things, the religious side, and they never come to the simplicity of it. Uh, you can't change yourself. You're born again of the incorruptible Word of God. And that Word, when it gets inside you, and when you agree with what God says about you, and when you accept the truth of what He spoke, everything changes. In a second, it's happened. Um, that's new birth. Uh, and that is something that no one can do. I meet a lot of preachers that try to get people into experiences. Uh, you can't um, persuade people by mental reasoning. It has to be the Spirit of God working inside. And I think so often um, they forget that. One of the things I want to tell you is 33 years ago, 34 years ago, that message brought me to Christ. Hey, I've always preached. That's what I believe. That's, that's basically the only message I believe. I haven't changed and I will never change. doesn't matter what happens in society. The gospel message is the same forever. And it doesn't change. We don't need to adapt it. We don't need to adapt the truth. You can't adapt the truth. You apply it maybe differently in different circumstances, but the truth is the truth. And the glory of it all is it's so, so easy. It's easy. And, and that's the easy thing about it. None of you that came out found it hard, did you? Come out, you confess it, and it's easy. God does it inside. How does God do it? I don't know. I've often wondered how God takes cancer out of people, growths out of people. How does God cause someone who's crippled with arthritis, how does he cause the joints just to go back in a second? I don't know. How does God make a blind eye open? I don't know. How, how does God... All I know is he does. The how of it I always get worried when Christians write how-to books because the how-to is God and God's ways are past finding out. So I think that if you're writing a how-to book as a Christian, you can't possibly. A miracle is an unexplained phenomena. How do you explain an unexplained phenomena? You can't, at least. I don't think you can, can you? If you have to explain an unexplained phenomena, what are you doing? You're taking a miracle away because you're saying it's not a miracle at all. 
alright? Sunday was a good day. I enjoyed it. Uh, I got stirred up if no one else did. Um, I got provoked because to me it's the most important thing. Uh, what provoked me was the night before. If you want to know why I got like that, the night before I had a, a leaders meeting with, with some of the leaders and as we were talking, what really struck me was the fact that we are incapable of changing a person's motives. You can't change a man's motives. You can't change a man's um, direction. Only God can do it. And if you're in death, you can't get yourself into life. Now, you can have religion all around you, and that's what most people do. Most of Christianity is religion, and people are bogged down in religion. They believe all the right things, and they've done the formulas, but it doesn't really work. And, and that's religion. And it's a trap and a snare. But when the Holy Ghost comes, and when the power of God comes, and when he speaks into a soul life, and you respond to that, bang! It bursts forth into life, and nothing can stop it. Because George Fox put it this way, the early Quaker, he was the founder of the Quakers. They used to call him the man in leather breeches. Uh, tremendous man of God. They say at 18 that he knew the Bible, word perfect, and if they burnt all the Bibles in the world, he could write one from memory. A tremendous man. And God filled him with the Holy Ghost uh, when he was 18 and a half. And he had a very peculiar ministry in the sense that he would sit sometimes for three or four hours with a congregation of maybe 10 or 20,000 around him. And he'd wait till the Spirit of God stirred him. And then he'd rise up and preach. And um, mighty miracles would happen. He was charismatic. He cast out devils, healed the sick. You know, I, I mean, long before Azusa Street, you know, the people think something to do with the beginning of the charismatic move. It happened at Pentecost. Uh, and there he was, standing up. He used to cast out demons. He used to deal with all things. That's why Wesley wrote the song, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Tongues is not a new experience. So only people want to somehow make a clay claim to God's working. God does it. Anyway, this George Fox, mighty man, he used to say that the light of God's in every man in a seed. And he'd take it from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1. It's God has lighted every man that cometh into the world. And there is a sense in which the seed of God is in, with ev is in every man because we were originally created in the image of God. And it's the seed that bruises the serpent's head. And what George Fox said is that the light that's come, if you'll follow that light, it will always lead you to Christ. Um, Sadhu Singh, um, what was his name? Sandhu Sadhu Singh, over in India. He, he, he came 
by just following the light. He never met Christians. He followed the light within himself. He was a holy man in India, and he meditated, and he followed the light, and he ended up a, a true Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and many, many people don't understand that God works through your conscience, and he works inside. The Spirit of God is in the earth, and he's everywhere, and he'll work. And if you'll follow and be obedient to the word of life, you will come into life. You cannot fail. You'll come alive. And you'll find every part of your being will live. And it's not a, a, a necessity of somehow um, having an experience. It's, it's a necessity of obedience. But obedience to the inward revelation of God. And at that moment of obedience to inward revelation the light of God will burst forth on your soul and you come alive now they taught that the early Quakers taught it and they had tremendous revivals that went all over Europe um, William Penn went off that's why you got Pennsylvania in America the Quakers had a tremendous influence uh, before the New England revival I mean they were used of God mighty men of God and, and they knew the power of God. Uh, there's a story of George Fox. One time he was meditating outside a town. And he'd never been to this town before in northern England. And he said the spirit came upon him. And he took off his shoes and he rolled up his breeches. Here's a man riding around country. And God said, so he said, I took off my shoes, I rolled up my britches. And God said, run through the town and cry, the blood of martyrs, the blood of martyrs. And, and he ran down and into the town. And as he ran through it, shouting, the blood of martyrs, the blood of martyrs, he said, the very streets seemed to flow with blood. And he ran out the other side of the town. And multitudes followed him. He found out that that was where the Catholics had gone and slaughtered over 3,000 Protestants, just slaughtered them in the streets, and their blood had flown down the streets, and he ran over the very places where they'd done the slaughter. And a tremendous move of God came over that town. Uh, I mean, the supernatural was part of his life. really was. And my recommendation is if you get a book of George Fox's journals before the 8th edition, before the 8th edition, all the stories and direct testimonies are there. One time he went into a town and the priest stirred up the people to attack him. And I'm sure I've told you the story. I think it was Litchfield. I can't remember uh, the city it was. I think it was Litchfield. And they beat him and stoned him. They dragged him uh, through a, a brook and into a field on the other side uh, and they stoned him and they thought they'd killed him. And they dumped him in the field and unconscious and he lay there and they'd broken his arm and beat him so, so bad they thought he was dead. And he says, he records in his book, uh, his, you know, the only, only a Quaker could write this, and he said, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. 
and my senses returned. And he said, I stood on my feet in the midst of them. And he said, I raised my broken arm to bless them. And the power of the Lord came upon me and healed me. And the power of the Lord came on them all. And he said, and over 4,000 souls came into the kingdom. I mean, that, that's a man of God. You know, <laughs> he's just... Uh, <laughs> can you imagine... They thought he was dead. He was alive. Uh, Paul had a similar experience. Don't, don't ever get the idea that the Spirit of God somehow uh, left the earth, you know, and uh, always God has had testimony. Some of the tremendous miracles happened in, in the Massive Centrale in France, Louis XIV's time. There was a mighty move of God, and it was them driven out who went up to Hernhut and went up and the Moravian movement came out of um, Philip of Spain and Louis XIV of France and that's why there's never been a, a real revival in France not a nationwide revival or in Spain because they killed the seed of God in the land they tried to exterminate it and those two nations have never had a move of God since not a real move and that's a terrible blight on nations but they determined Louis the 14th and Philip of Spain they determined to totally exterminate the testimony and that's how um, in the end we got the Huguenots come over here and if you go to Canterbury Cathedral there's still a chapel to the Huguenots in Canterbury Cathedral and the whole of the Industrial Revolution which actually made Great Britain great was because of the Huguenots. They came from Flanders, they came over, um, the cotton trade, the, all the um, early medicine came from the Huguenot stock. And Britain changed. The cotton mills that were built was all Huguenots. Uh, uh, and they came, and so the whole of our nation gave protection to the Protestants. We were a sanctuary for many, many of the persecuted nations, Christians. And they also went to Hernhut, and you had the 120-year prayer meeting with Count Zinzendorf. And you'll find the same thing. They had their own schools. They had their own colleges. But one thing they did, they never, ever tried to force anyone into an experience. They waited till the Spirit of God came upon a man, till God lighted them inside. Because only God can do it. But he wants to do it. It's not God's will that any should perish. You see, what we've got is an idea that you have the choice. No, God has the choice, and he would woo everyone into life. He'd bring everyone to salvation. And the tremendous thing is, when you get a perspective outside of the kind of religious evangelical claptrap, and you come to the truth of God's kingdom, Hey, God's love. He loves us. He loved us so much he sent his son to redeem the world. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. God's not against you. God's for you. And the Spirit of God is working in man and it matters only that you respond to him when you know he's speaking. Doesn't matter 
Uh, that's why it engenders such hatred. The religious spirit hates it. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And the issue is obedience and disobedience. You remember we looked at the scripture? It's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That, that spirit's working. Then you're in death. And to exchange to life just means you come to obedience. But obedience comes through submission. And submission comes through acknowledgement of who the Lord is. And recognizing what he's done. That's all. It's so easy becoming a Christian. Dead easy. God does it all. Same with getting healed. Jesus does it all. Uh, Christianity is a matter of God. It begins in God. Do you know my Bible says Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He writes it in your heart and then he perfects it in your soul. He's the author and the finisher. <laughs> he does both. And, and it's not ever you that do anything. It's God. God saved me. I love the way an old elder in Spurgeon's church said, well, he said, with salvation, I did my part and God did his. He said, my part was running away and God's part was pursuing me. Uh, and God, God caught me and that was it. Uh, that's the way life is. Hey, and if you're honest, all those that are in life know that. I've seen a lot of people come and speak in tongues, have experiences, never come to life. Life is wonderful. And life is a sovereign act of a sovereign God, imparted sovereignly to an individual. There's no way you can engineer it. There's no way you can cause it. God does it. See, we're born again, not of the will of the man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. And when he births us, it's eternal. That's wonderful. And that's really what I was talking about on Sunday. I just want to encourage all of you. You can't change your motivation. You've got to have God living inside, who is your motivation. You can't love outside of the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You can't do what you should do in earth unless Jesus lives in you. But there is no formula to get there. There is only God's word and God's sovereign grace. And I'm, I'm a Calvinist to the absolute ultimate extreme and I'm Arminian to the absolute ultimate extreme. And I'm everything else to the absolute... <laughs> I believe God. Uh, and really, it's got to be God who does it. Uh, and so often, uh, it, it's people are put down uh, and they're told, if you do this and this, if you believe this, if you do... But the truth is, hey, if Jesus is the author of my faith, then he starts it, doesn't he? If he's the finisher, then he completes it. So what's my job? My job is to allow him to do what he wants with my life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God, I just want to be available to you. I want to be open to you. Now, when you're of that ilk, and when the Spirit of God's moving, 
Life comes. I know a lot of other people, I know there are people who aren't here tonight, but a lot of other people I know were really met by God because they've run me and told me. Um, you can't ever manufacture that. It is, when it's God's time for a man, it's God's time. When it's God's time for a woman, it's God's time. And we were born again in the fullness of time. Now why does God do it? At one age for one person. Why is it someone can walk in off the street, come into life? Boom. Another person can be years struggling, hating the preacher. Bless her. And it's it's not abnormal. I love I love what Spurgeon said. He said um, when when he ran the college. And, you, you know, you really ought to get hold that you can get 54 volumes of Spurgeon's sermons. They're in 54 volumes. Excellent. And if they're now on CD. You can get them on a CD-ROM. And, and, I mean, he was a tremendous preacher. And he had 12 secretaries that would research any subject. He preached Sunday by Sunday. But he had 12 secretaries, good scholars, men, who went through and researched any subject he wanted to preach on. And then they got together and they wrote his sermons. And he was meticulous in writing. So he had 12 people helping him in his sermon preparation every week, which I think is a fantastic idea. <laughs> and he, he, he'd get together. He'd get together with these people. And it's all on CD-ROM now. Tremendous preacher. He started preaching when he was 18. Tremendous. Um, unfortunately, I think it was the Winter Gardens um, where he had a crowd of 5,000 and someone who had come to disrupt the meeting shouted, fire, fire, and a mass panic broke out and people started running and um, people were trampled to death. In the, they, they just was sheer panic and he had a nervous breakdown and he never ever really and that was at the height of his ministry he never really recovered and, and got back in, into the ministry he had which was a, a, a tragic shame now you can't explain that I don't know why it happens to some people at the end of their life I, you know, I don't have explanation what I do know is uh, some of his sermons are the most tremendous. They're full of nuggets. And um, you can get them. Um, the Americans have republished it. Baker. Uh, uh, in fact, I'll probably get some CDs so you can get them if you've got CD-ROM on your computer. You can look up any subject, any scripture that he's preached on, and these 12 secretaries did all the research, so anything that had been said on that subject would be there. It's just so useful um, to be able to go there, tap it up, and look. Now, I've got all the books, and I just go, and he's got a little black book with all the scriptures, and you can look, and, you know, there's four or five sermons where he dealt with that subject, and you can look it up. And I often look because all the Puritan writers are in there. Everything that 
um, the early Quakers said everything's in there because they've researched it all. And if you're going to be wise and learn, it's useful to know what other people say about a scripture. Useful to study. And this isn't theology, this is studying a man who, who applied the truth, used the truth, and brought many, many people to Christ. Probably one of the greatest evangelists. Uh, Whitfield was the greatest preacher, I think, probably that the world has ever seen. Um, in fact, I know he was. Uh, not having met him, but Whitfield, his, his voice would be heard. 20,000 people could hear him. And he'd, he'd go out in the open air. And 20,000 hearing one man, uh, no microphone. Can you imagine it? His lungs. And he could speak. And they said you, uh, on a clear day you could hear him two miles away. Clearly. Goodness me. And people would sit on their horses and sometimes he'd preach for six and a half, seven hours. Preach with no notes. And um, people, their, their, the necks of their horses would be drenched with tears. And people would just fall off their horses under the power of God. They wouldn't hurt themselves. But just the power of God would just be so prevalent. And that was the New England Revival. And beautiful stories. Now that's Dalamore. You can get Dalamore's two books on Whitfield. They're worth reading. Just if you like reading the stories and tales. They're, they're things, you know, they're treasures. I'm amazed how few people know. They read Agatha Christie novels, you know, how to get healed, how to do, get something that's got meat in it. A lie. Uh, and enjoy it. Hey, I tell you, that's how I learned. I scoured the second-hand bookshops. I went and I bought the books. I built a library. I loved it. I got the books on Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf, the early Moravian books. Got them all. But I've read them. And, and that's where... The, the, the richness of grace comes from. You know, there's a richness of inheritance in the saints. And I believe in apostolic succession. But I do believe that our faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Uh, and there's been prophets and apostles through the age. And I think we're fools if we don't take note of what they taught. I know lots of people say, oh, there's more light now, more revelation. Well, I tell you, you read some of Spurgeon's work or some, some of George Fox, and you realize that the modern Christian's as blind as a bat. He goes about and he gabbles in tongues and sees if an echo comes back, um, like a bat does. But these men, they soar in the spirit. One time George Fox went up and in Lancashire, and I've been up the, Yorkshire it was, wasn't it, the hill, been up there, there's a stone erected and in the Yorkshire Dales. There's a stone erected where George Fox stood and he prophesied to the south and he prophesied 
to the west and then to the east and then to the north. And then he just went forth on the word that he spoke. Tremendous revival broke out. Uh, he knew God. One man can change a nation. Don't ever let anyone tell you that we can't do it. We can change things. We have the power and authority of God to change things round. And it just takes a voice. You must become the voice of God. People need to hear from God. And that's our challenge. It's a challenge of all of us. You can't, that's why the Bible college is there. Listen to me, you folks. You know, invest your time in eternal things. Things of eternal value. Because I, I want to tell you, uh, it didn't happen that God suddenly decided, but ye for years I read. Um, I, I would work and then I would spend from maybe 10 at night when I got home till 3 or 4 in the morning just reading and studying. Then I'd be up at 6 and go off to work. You don't fill your soul with the treasures of heaven by being lazy. And you have to learn. Uh, you know, the, the treasures have to be put there. God can't bring things to your remembrance if you never put them in your memory. If you get a computer and there's nothing on it, what do you do? You turn it on and you just get a blank screen. It needs information. You need information, but you need the good information. You need what's right. And you've got to learn to feast on the good things. Whatsoever things are pure, just, and a good report, feast on them. Uh, and get hold of the best books. Get hold of the stories that will challenge your heart, stir you up. Uh, and you know, it, it engenders faith inside of you. It really does. That's what I'm believing God for. You know, it just, it doesn't take many people to change a nation. Wesley said, give me ten. Ten men. Uh, and my desire is to really stir people up. Heck, while I live upon earth, I realize I can't go everywhere. But I can equip others to go to places I could never go to. That's why we've always helped with the Bible school over in um, Benin City. Why? Because I believe in it. That's why I believe in, in getting people of different nations taught. That's why we've set things up the way we have. It's because, and each one of you has a responsibility. You might say, well, I, I, you're never too late. You might say, well, what am I going to do? I'm not called to the ministry. You are called to the ministry. If you're a member of the church, you're called. You might not function in the church, but your function in the body of Christ is to be a living witness to Jesus. And you need to be equipped to do that. Uh, it's so important. Hey, we've got a job to do. As the fields are white and ready to harvest. Wherever I go, you know, it's easy. Doesn't matter what they believe, I believe.
I said to them when I was down at this detention center and I was talking to these people, I said, look, it doesn't matter what you believe. I believe, God believes, and we're right. That's it. Uh, <laughs> there's no argument. I know what I believe. And you can stand in the face of kings and princes, it doesn't matter who it is. And you can say, hey, I know what's right. And you can lead them in the paths of righteousness. And you need to be equipped for that. So if you haven't done anything about it, you need to. Invest your time in eternal things. Because time's short. It really is. You know, there's beautiful things God's going to do. And I see it, you know. I see the, the wells full and overflowing. I see everything rising. And, you know, I see the power of God. And to me, I, I just stirred again. You know. I know when God's going to do things. I see I see with eyes that others don't have. I tell you, God's doing something. You might not think, but I tell you, it's happening. God's in charge. My Jesus is in control. My Jesus is. And I tell you, you, you people, they've all got it wrong. They have. Hey, our God hasn't abandoned us. He's mighty. Uh, and we, we need to take faith. And we need to realize it's a good time to be alive. I see the glory of God everywhere. These people were trying to tell me, no, no, you can't change. Ha, ha, ha. They just haven't got a clue. Yes, you can. They said, well, how can you be so sure? And David would tell you, I stood there and said, I can be sure because I'm here. That's how I can be sure. <laughs> I'm alive. You know, you don't just need one. Because God lives in me. And you can be sure on the same basis. Don't ever back down. Don't ever cower. Devil's a liar. Slap him on the snout. He'll run. He's finished. We have a God who's able. And it's a good time to be alive. Great time to testify. But study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Get hold of the life of God. Tell you what will happen. God will bless you in every way when you do what he says. And, you know, you have to sow. If you want to harvest, you better sow the seed. But don't wait for the best time to sow it. So if you consider the wind and the weather, you never sow. I go to places where you'd say, oh, no, you know, you better wait. Wait for a good opportunity. People tell me, Wait for an opportunity to speak a word. I don't do that. Heck, if the door's closed, kick it down. Go in. 
The gates of hell won't prevail against the church of God. Oh no, you've got to wait for the right opportunity. You'll never have it. The right opportunity, now is the acceptable time of the Lord. Now. And don't ever back off. Challenge them. Don't fear their face. Goodness me, God is on your side. Great time. And you'll upset a lot of people. But I'll tell you what will happen. The ones you upset the most will respond the quickest. Because it gets inside them. They get angry, but don't worry. That, that's part of the package. God's getting inside them. And when God gets inside, a man's, you know, he, he's in trouble. You're not, he is. And the more they're angry at you, bless God. It's easy. Great day to be alive, isn't it? I thoroughly enjoyed my time, you know. Because I'm alive in God. Lovely. Sunday was a great day, wasn't it? This weekend's going to be a great weekend. I tell you what, things are stirring. There's a sound of moving in the mulberry trees. The devil's on the run. Glory to God. Let's chase him and whack his rear end. Glory to God. You know, that God said, up, pursue him. You know, the devil can't stand it before God. He really can't. He's a coward. He's a real coward. <sighs> what a day. Um, you get hold, if you haven't read George Fox's journals, get hold of them. If you haven't read, you know, Whitfield's story, it's beautiful. Dallimore wrote it beautifully. Uh, it, it's in two volumes. If you haven't ever read, um, get hold of them. Spurgeon. I, I'll try and get the CDs over if I remember when I'm in America to get some. Um, get them and, and feast your soul on good things. And get a challenge out. Every one of you should bring someone new to the meeting. Hey, say, God, you know, at least I can lead one soul to Christ a week. I mean, what's a week? Seven days. You can at least get hold of someone. can't you? Jesus said, well, you know, go into the highways and byways. Compel them to come in. Glory to God. That's what we're about. Challenge them. That's the challenge of God. It's going to be a great year. This year is going to be a great year. I, I just, I'm, I'm excited. Came home, I was excited. I thought, ah. This is good. God is good. All the time. Amen.